Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Let's go to the book of Romans, gentlemen, and let's uh, go to chapter 5 to begin with here today, Romans 5. I appreciate you being here, be under the word. In Romans 5, Paul is under the direction of the Holy Spirit, letting us know that it is not through the law. Now let's get our definition of the law. The law are all of those external requirements that we must meet to be accepted, loved by God. And understand that the vast majority of the other early believers were coming out of Judaism and the external requirements of obeying the law to get the favor of God. Paul begins to talk about the difference between law and grace. Remember, grace is God's favor, God's ability. The law is our ability to perform. Grace is God's ability to transform given as a gift. And in chapter 5 and verse 17, he, in the early, earlier verses, he, he has been contrasting what we got from Adam and what we got from Christ. What we got from Adam was a tendency, a nature to sin. In fact, Adam was our representative head. Now, you might say that's not fair, but I think you'll understand that we all live in a world where there's a representative head. There are people who make laws today that affect you. And you're not personally making those laws, but your representative head is. <clears throat> and you will receive the benefit or the consequences of those laws. <laughs> Adam was our representative head, and when he sinned, according to this word here, verse 12 of chapter 5, tells us that sin spread to all of us. I was born, and you were born, with spiritual genetics that were acclimated toward sin, toward rebellion against God, and all that that entails. Jesus Christ was also our representative head, and in God's eyes gave us the power over sin through his grace. That is, verse 15 tells us, by the gift of his grace, by the one man, Jesus Christ, grace abounded to many. And in verse 17, we see that if by one man's offense, that is Adam, 
death reigned. Remember, the wages of sin is what? Death, separation from God and life and all that the life of God represents. If by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace. Abundance means more than enough. If you've got an abundance that you're not surviving, you're thriving. Abundance means more than enough. By the abundance of grace, more than enough grace, and of the gift of righteousness, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will what? Reign in life. What's the idea behind reign? To reign doesn't mean you're a victim. It means you're an overcomer, right? To reign in life means that anything that life throws your way, you're going to prevail. If you reign, you prevail. Those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Christ Jesus. So here's a question for you. Are you reigning in life or are circumstances putting a whipping on you? Are you beat up internally, struggling, run over? Are you beat up externally? Even if you're going through sickness and disease, does it define your life or are you reigning in life? See, you can have issues and issues not have you. Life has a way of presenting issues for every one of us, right? But the word says here uh, that we ought to be able to reign in life, have dominion, even over the issues that we walk through, through the one Jesus Christ. Was there any issue, including death itself, that reigned over Jesus? Now, God didn't exempt him from going through the cross, did he? Did God exempt him from being rejected? Did he exempt him from suffering? Did he exempt him from being misunderstood an outcast from the religious professionals and I mean even his hometown didn't believe him. Did he exempt him from suffering? He did not, did he? But not even death could contain him, right? Well, where is he right now in regards to you? Well, if he reigned then, why wouldn't he reign now? This passage tells us, this passage changed my whole life and my whole ministry. This one verse right here changed everything. 
When God gave me revelation, those who receive. Steve, if you will just receive the abundance of my grace. And when I began to see that, I was in a heck of a mess. To put it mildly. I had more issues that had me by the throat than I could even breathe. If you will receive more than enough favor and ability, I've got more than enough favor and ability than what has you by the throat, and I will give you the right to reign in life if you'll just receive it. You know, you can have something without receiving it. Do you know that? Now, I've got assignments today that's going to take me into some athletic offices down at Auburn University, and so I had to dress it up a little bit. I've had this suit a long time. But how many of you know that it could just hang there or I could embrace it? You've got grace that'll... They'll cause you to reign in every situation already on the inside of you. Amen. Because the, the one who has all grace is in you. You got more than you need to prevail in any financial, physical, spiritual, or relational issue you've got. But you've got to receive it. And to receive it requires not just having it, it is an act of your will by faith to say, Lord, this gift of more than enough favor and ability is mine. Do you get up every morning and do you look yourself in the eye and declare you are blessed and highly favored? Or are you letting the circumstances of your life define how you feel about yourself? It's either the word or your circumstances, one of the two. I am blessed and highly favored. It doesn't matter what's going on. All my circumstances can look grim. But the word says here, if I receive, God give us revelation that we can receive the abundance of your favor and ability and of the gift of righteousness. Do you receive the gift of righteousness? Do you declare that according to God, that he sees you in Christ. And according to Ephesians 1, he sees you holy and righteous and blameless and loved and forgiven and accepted. Or do you still define yourself by how much money you're making, by the issues of your life, by how your wife feels about you, by how your children are treating you, by how they're doing? We've got to start defining ourselves through the eyes of how God says we are in his eyes. We receive the abundance of his favor and ability and we embrace the gift of right standing. You're in right standing with God today because you are in Christ. Is Christ in right standing with God? Yes. Any distance between him and the Father? Do you know that the Father has chosen to see you in Christ We are blessed and highly favored. See, there's no issue you could ever face today that you don't have enough favor and ability to not just get through, but to reign in anything life throws your way.
through the one Christ Jesus. You know, we ought to start confessing what Deuteronomy says in our Abrahamic covenant belongs to us, that we're the head and not the tail on top and not underneath. Sure feels the other way sometimes, but we either got to go by our feeling or what the Word says. And if you'll go by what the Word says, you'll eventually get the feeling. Amen. Feeling doesn't come first. Amen. So this marvelous, wonderful gift of God's favor and ability that he has chosen to see us in right standing with him in Christ Jesus, and he's chosen to give us more than enough favor and ability. I want you to bow your heads with me right now and say it with me. Holy Spirit, give me greater revelation of the truth of your word, that I am blessed and highly favored, that I have more than enough of your blessing. Your grace, your grace to reign in life. Reign. And right now, I receive the gift of your righteousness. You have chosen to see me in right standing through Jesus Christ. I receive it today. God, give us greater revelation. Amen. Well, in chapter 6, he talks about how that all happened. How when... Jesus died, we did too. In God's eyes. When Jesus was buried, we were buried to the old way of living that we inherited from Adam. That when he was raised, so were we. In chapter 7, he talks about the struggle that we sometimes get into when we forget who we are and start living like somebody we're not. And Paul says... There's nothing in and of myself. There is nothing good that dwells there. The only thing good is who I am now in Christ Jesus. And then in chapter 8 and verse 1, he says this. There is therefore, because of how God choose, has chosen to see us, and because of what he did at the cross when he saw us in Jesus at the cross. When he saw us in Jesus... In the tomb, when he saw us in Jesus at the resurrection and the ascension, he says in chapter 8 and verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What's condemnation? Being declared guilty. It has to do with guilt and shame, doesn't it? Do you ever struggle with just a sense of inadequacy, of failure, of feeling like you got to perform to get the Lord to accept you? How does that work? I lived for almost 40 years with believing that the Lord forgave me at the cross to get me into his family but somehow internally believing the lie that for the Lord to be pleased with me it had to do with how well I performed and when I was doing pretty good I felt like I was accepted 
And when I wasn't doing so well, I felt all kind of shame and condemnation. Anybody here can identify with how I lived for 40 years? Boy, that is vicious, isn't it? Vicious. And externally, you look pretty good to the religious mind, but internally, you're a mess. I love this marvelous word from God. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Are you in Christ? Amen. Well, then why is there no condemnation? For you to have condemnation and shame legitimately, Jesus would have to have condemnation and shame. Because you're in Christ. He is perfectly accepted and righteous in the eyes of the Father. God give us revelation of that. And notice what he says here. If we are in Christ, there is no condemnation. And to those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What does it mean according to? By the way, what is the flesh? How would you define the flesh? For three chapters he's discussing the flesh. And let me just sum it up for you. The flesh are old patterns of thinking, speaking, and behaving. Thinking, speaking, and behaving. Old patterns that we inherited from our spiritual ancestors, Adam. But why wait a minute now? The word says that we are new creations in Christ Jesus, yes or no? Yes, Did every old pattern of thinking, speaking, and behaving miraculously and mysteriously disappear when you became a new creation? I love the both of the answers I heard. It would have been nice and not yet. And both of those are accurate. <laughs> now, and you know what? I said this the other day. My flesh is just not getting any better. Is yours? Just when you think you're making progress, you begin to see that there's still old patterns of thinking, speaking, and behaving that just don't get any better. And you're not going to train the flesh and religiousize it and all of that. Uh, you, you've got to declare it inoperable through the death of Jesus. or you know, It's always going to have its sway in your life, right? You know, by the way, that one of the best ways to deal with your flesh when... You constantly get these thoughts that are rebellious, these thoughts that are rooted in, in, in uh, sometimes even demonic influence. These thoughts that are, that are against the righteous standard of God. Sometimes the best way to handle those is to just give them no credence. Sometimes you ought to rise up and declare by the words of your own mouth, what the Word of God says about you, that's the way to take authority. And sometimes if they persist, is just to give them 
no credence. Can I ask you a question? If you continually ignore somebody's voice, if you continue to ignore someone's voice, is that not an effective way of giving them no authority in your life? Take authority, speak the word, and if it persists, sometimes you just need to just disregard it as something that is not, you're not going to give any credence to. And engage your mind in something else that is pure and lovely and of a good report. Notice he says that we do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now hold your place there and turn over to Galatians chapter 5. I want to show you something very quickly here that we can easily get off track if we don't watch it. Galatians 5 verse 16. Now remembering that our flesh or old patterns of thinking, speaking, and behaving that are not in line with the character of the Lord. Verse 16, Galatians 5, I say then, walk in the Spirit that is under the control and direction of the Holy Spirit who lives in you as a believer. Submit to His control. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, lust, pulls fights against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. They're pulling and fighting against one another so that they are contrary to one another. Notice the religious mind says in verse 16, it turns that verse around. It says, don't walk in the lust of the flesh and you'll be walking in the spirit. That's not what the word says. It says walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the pull and lust of the flesh. And the lust of the flesh has to do with anything that is self-absorbed or anything outside the character of Jesus. <laughs> Have you noticed that the more you attempt to walk by the spirit, sometimes the stronger the pull of the flesh. Now sometimes we can be deceived into thinking that we're going backwards and not making any progress in our walk, but just the opposite is true. Sometimes when you are walking in the spirit, you are more conscious of the pull of the flesh against the spirit. Because remember, that all our old patterns of thinking, speaking, and behaving, according to this right here, they pull against the spirit. So if you don't ever feel any resistance from the flesh, you're probably not walking in the Spirit. So sometimes the more fight that the flesh has against the Spirit, the more, <laughs> the, the more you ought to be encouraged that you're probably walking by the Spirit. Because if there's no resistance, there's no pull, you ain't walking in the Spirit. That is not a popular teaching right there. But it's true. 
Now, it's obvious that the that the constant fruit of the Spirit ought to be evident in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience. You can skip on down to verse 22. Long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. But they're not going to be developed in us without opposition. So back to our chapter 8 of Romans here, when the Word says, walk by the Spirit. If we walk according to the Spirit, we won't obey the lust of the flesh. Let's look at verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. How do you walk by the Spirit and not obey the lust and pulls of the flesh? How do you walk by the Spirit? Under the control and direction of the Spirit. Well, verse 2 says, The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I've used this illustration for years. You've heard it countless times. But the best way I know how to explain it is the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is like the law of aerodynamics. In the law of sin and death is like the law of gravity. All I got to do to be bound by the law of gravity is nothing. To walk by the law of aerodynamics, I got to get on the plane. Right? I've got to get on the plane. Guess what? Somebody's already bought your ticket paid for your ride. But you have to consciously as an act of your own will and faith say, Lord, I'm going to rest and rely on the power of those jet engines. Now, if you'll rest and rely on the power of those jet engines, it'll get you where you want to go and need to go. But now let's suppose you're up there at about 40,000 square feet and you, I mean 40,000, 40,000 feet and you're going, you're going to Phoenix, man. You're on a hot. You, you are just going about 650 miles an hour on that jet plane, and you are moving on. But let's suppose you say, you know what? This is too easy. I got, I got to, I got to help this thing. This thing's dependent on me. And let's suppose that you force your way out of the emergency door as soon as you do that when you quit resting in the law of aerodynamics you are immediately subject to the law of gravity yes or no yes. when I stop relying on the Holy Spirit who lives in me walking in fellowship with him I immediately become subject to the law of the flesh. I come under the influence of old patterns of thinking, speaking, and behaving. And guess what? All I got to do to be subject to the law of the flesh is nothing. So how vital is it 
To walk by the Spirit requires an act of our will by faith to rest in what He has done and what He is doing in and through us. What will your business look like if you were walking under the control and direction of the Spirit? Instead of relying only on your own expertise, experience, power, ability to get things done. What if you were relying on the Spirit? Now look, it's a partnership. You, you can't be passive here and sit over and say, okay, you do it, I'm going to lay in bed today. No, it, without Him, you can't, but without you, He won't. So, what would your business look like if you learned to commit it to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. What are some things that would happen in your business? You, you tell me. If you were relying on the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Are there some things that you're worried about now that you probably wouldn't have to worry about if you were relying on the Lord? If you could trust him to see everything that you needed to see instead of relying on your own ability to see it all, wouldn't that be a source of wisdom? Yes or no? Yes. yes. If, the, if you relied on the Spirit to counsel you about some of the people who work under you, wouldn't, wouldn't it be an advantage for you to know who to keep and who to let go? Yeah. Wouldn't it be an advantage if you already had the witness of the Spirit that as long as you stayed in reliance on Him and obedience to His assignment, that whatever it looked like today, He was going to, you were going to reign in life and you were going to prevail in whatever He had assigned you to do. However, it looked like today. Wouldn't that be an advantage? And wouldn't it be an advantage if you walk by the law of the spirit of life? Remember, the law of the spirit is the law of favor and ability, grace. What if you got up every day and say, I'm blessed and highly favored of God today. My life is in his hands and I have supernatural favor today. It might be supernatural favor to solve a problem. It might be supernatural favor with customers or clients, it might be supernatural problem, uh, supernatural favor that he guided you away from being involved with certain customers and clients. There are blessed subtractions, you know. <laughs> How would your business look like? How would it be different? What if we relied more on receiving revelation from the Holy Spirit as to how we should do and what we should do and less on the accumulation of information? Is revelation greater than information? Amen. Say that again. 
Wouldn't it be more powerful for you and your business if you relied more on the revelation of the Holy Spirit revealing to you what you should do, what you should not do, counseling you? Remember, he's doing that, giving you favor, and less on the accumulation of information, which is just humanly gained. See, revelation is the ability to take information and reveal what's true and what's not true, what's highest and best and what's seems right but may not be. There's a lot of that, isn't there? I had a guy tell me one time that revelation was... So you, you know a linebacker is 6'4", 250, runs a 4'3", but when he hits you in the mouth, it becomes real. And when he said that, I was like, I, I get it now. <laughs> so You've had that experience, haven't you? Okay. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Has more authority <coughs> than the law of the sin and death. Okay, so what are you seeing out of this discussion today? Jesus sets us free from the law of sin and death in our flesh. If we walk according to the Spirit, wouldn't that mean that we try to become more consciously aware of sharing thoughts, attitudes, decisions with Him? Coming more intimate with him. Wouldn't it make sense that the first thing we ought to do in the mornings is consult with him? Whether it's through thanksgiving or praise or asking for guidance. And learning to listen to the voice of the Spirit. I've been asking the Lord today before ever getting this day going give me wisdom today help me to see some things that you want to be deposited give me the ability to hear what you're saying and speak it to somebody else You think walking by the Spirit would make a difference in our relationships? Absolutely. I would probably be more 
quick to listen than quick to be understood if I walk by the Spirit, wouldn't I? I would probably be more willing to earn the right to be heard than force the right to be heard if I was walking by the Spirit, wouldn't I? Walking is like that phrase, walking by the Spirit. You think it's kind of like listening to the Spirit? Because I feel oftentimes where I get into a ditch is, you know, whenever whenever I'm less patient, whenever it's harder for me to love, whenever I'm quicker to judge, whenever I'm stressed out, easily agitated, and I just ignore those. And then I, you know, usually, you know, make a bit of a mess that I have to clean up. But if I would, if I would see that, you know, there's something going on there, you know, um, and pay more attention, I mean, really, that's a, that is an inner struggle. You know, that is, and maybe even the Lord trying to reveal to me that, um, you know, there, there's more going on here. You know, pay attention to your heart um, and, and walking by the Spirit really is being more attentive to your spirit and guarding your heart, listening to your heart and, and uh, the attitudes that are developing. Mm. It's a step-by-step process and it's an ongoing way of life. It's a good word. Steve, you often use the term paraclete think of that, of course, the Spirit lives in us, that Spirit also walks alongside us to guide and direct us if we're willing to, to listen and obey. Uh, you have a lot more strength than sometimes you think you have because of the Spirit being alongside you. Mm. Fear drives out faith, but faith conquers fear. Taking a step, learning to walk by faith, consulting with the Spirit, consulting with Him. Living life with it. Uh, and it basically starts with becoming more consciously aware of his presence. Isn't it easy when you leave here, you get to your office, or you get to your place of work, isn't it easy to become unconscious of his presence? Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity to walk by the Spirit because I'm just about to release you into 280 traffic. Let's <laughs> <laughs> all stay in. Let's pray this prayer. Mighty God, in the name of Jesus, I receive 
righteousness. The gift of righteousness. And more than enough grace. I believe your word is true. I will reign in life today through Christ Jesus. Thank you that you have chosen to see me in Christ. And I pray today that by your spirit. I will become more consciously aware of your presence in me, that I will walk in consultation with you about every issue. In Jesus' name, teach me to listen, and I praise you today, because you're my King and my God, that you've already seen today, and every issue, and you have overcome it, and I will join you by faith, receiving through your grace, my inheritance in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, all right, brothers, thank you for being here today. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.